Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and add our legal twist. My name is Nasser Pasha. And I'm Matt Stahl. And we're doing a uh, recap episode, I think, today, right, Matt, uh, of a uh, episode that we did, I think it was two weeks ago or, or a week ago. I always get the timings messed up. Yeah, recap or follow up. I don't know. It's it's not similar to an episode we've done before, but it should be. I'm looking forward to this one. It should be pretty good. We we covered a dispute between two ice cream truck owners, or I'm not sure exactly how it works, but we covered it between Snow Cone Joe and Mr. Dingaling. It was a couple of weeks ago, and actually. Snow Cone Joe or the owner of Snow Cone Joe actually reached out to us, wanted to set some of the records straight because obviously, you know, we just read what we see on the online and who knows how truthful that is. So uh, Matt, who do we have today? Why don't you make, make a nice little introduction for uh, Josh here? Yeah. Like you said, we have uh, Josh, is it Malatino? Yes, that's correct. Josh, like I said, the owner of Snow Cone Joe and we can only go as far as what we were able to read online when we, we did the episode before. So we're really glad to have you here to kind of get your side of the story. So just to do a quick recap of what we talked about before, or at least how how we had heard it or read it, was there was a dispute between you and Mr. Dingling. And from what we read, there was an arrest for stalking and harassment, et cetera. And eventually the the charges, I believe, were dropped against you. So, I mean, I guess first question is, you know, kind of kind of give us your, I mean, your firsthand take on really what happened here. Well, back in 2013, my ex-girlfriend and myself had a permit in the city of Gloversville to vend ice cream. We had two trucks that were in the city that have roughly 15,000 people on the high end. And Snow Cone Joe has been in the city for, this would be the 46th season of it. There was a previous owner. My family had bought the business out. My ex-girlfriend had bought a truck and we were allowed to use another truck. So back in 2013, we were out selling ice cream. On different days, these alleged incidents were going, alleged incidents happened. So the first incident would have been with me, myself, on April 16, 2013, and the cops were alleging that as Hollister was going west on 8th Ave in the city, I was going east and we completely just bypassed each other. Hollister testified that he was going about 20 miles an hour with his ice cream truck with his music on, and I was going slow with my music on in opposite direction, and I allegedly yelled, this is my town, which I did not yell, but even say I did. What kind of crime is that? It's not a crime. So that was the only incident we had on that day. I was arrested for that sole incident. That was my harassment charge. You were arrested for that? I was arrested for that. That was my harassment charge. Wow. And that was the that was the sole allegation at that time, right? Excuse me? I said that was the sole allegation at that time on April 16th that you had yelled out that this is my town. Right. That was allegedly what I yelled. That was what I was arrested for, for harassment. So people think that the stalking charge was for following. It had nothing to do with following. It was more or less stating that we were offering free ice cream from our business, which in turn was jeopardizing another person's business. So on, October, on April 28th, I believe, or the 26th, 28th of 2013, 
I was vending ice cream, and Hollister had come past me. He drove past me, okay? So when he took a right onto Spring Street, I had no idea where he was going to be. We were just following a route that's been followed for 46, you know, for at that time, 44 years. So he continued on that way. So I stopped and I made five different stops to sell ice cream to regular customers, to the ambulance department workers. And we ended up coming into contact where I was selling ice cream about a block away. And he sat up there with no customers at all. And he sat there and waited for me to come up. He went to a stop sign. I stopped at the stop site. I went through, pulled over to his customers, and, and served the customers. And he said that I was offering free ice cream from my truck at that time, where as my witnesses that were on the street, people that I had no idea their names or didn't know, came in and testified for me in my trial and said that I never yelled a thing out my window. So that was my stalking charge. That's what I was arrested for stalking for, for say, allegedly saying that I have free ice cream. My name was humiliated across the world. You know, that's just the United States. It was picked up in all these other countries, and the media made it look like it was this big old ice cream war when there was nothing of anything like that that ever happened. So what what's really going on here, do you think? I mean, do you, do you guys have a history? I mean, well, well, before you answer that question, is the ice cream truck industry in general this competitive, or is it just something in your town, or what's going on here? I can understand where people think it's competitive when you have more than one, more than one ice cream truck vendor. But it's the same thing as you have with, you know, we have 10 pizzerias in a city of 15,000 people. We have five different hot dog vendors in the city with 15,000 people. I think this is more or less a personal thing with the chief of police of Gloversville. We had a meeting in 2012, and I had he had threatened that, you know, by me offering free ice cream from a business would jeopardize somebody else's business. So I made, I asked him, I said, so, say I owned a pizza truck. And I decided to park my pizza truck, and I had a permit for the city directly across the street from a pizzeria. And I decided to give away free slices that day. What would you do? It's like, I would arrest you for stalking because you're jeopardizing their business. I said, so because we were to offer free pizza from a pizza vending business, and they had a pizzeria right across the street, I would be arrested for stalking because I'm jeopardizing their business. And and it just it, it got so personal with the with this, this chief of police. In my opinion, he's overstepped his overstepped his badge and uh it it's just straight up corruption. And I'm going through it again with him right now with a with a with a permit application for the city of Gloversville. And he likes to dictate yeah, I, I- I just I just heard about that. So are you reapplying for a, an old permit or did you lose your permit and, and doing a new permit and now that they're they're denying your application? He hasn't denied me my application, but what he has done here is is I filed two weeks ago for a permit in the city of Gloversville. So on the fifteenth he issued a memo to the city clerk. I can go through this here with you a little bit. But the process of getting a, an application or a peddler's permit in the city of Gloversville, you need to go through a background check. And the city clerk has to approve that you have your liability insurance, your registration, a DBA, a tax ID number. So on the background check, it says here, your name, date of birth, you know, a couple other questions. And then it says, I, please print name, and requesting a background check for. And it gives you three different spots, vendor services in the city of Gloversville, appointment or college admission, or other. So I filled this all out, paid my $25, and I checked vendor services in the city of Gloversville. So you come over to the application process of this. It asks for your name, you know, if you have a conviction record, which I have no conviction record, the product of what you're going to be selling, uh, tax ID numbers, you know, the make and model of the ice cream truck. 
And then on the second page, ask for liability insurance. And then it says city clerk. Tax numbers, permits, and insurance. And she would have to sign off that you handed all this in. And then it says police chief, satisfactory background check. And he has to sign off on that. Well, I just got a letter in the mail today, and it says, from Chief Van Dusen in the city of Gloversville, I am returning the request for a background check submitted by Joshua Melatino on 4-3-2015 to your office without processing it. This is due to it not being associated with any city of Gloversville application for employment, vendor services, or peddler's permit. It is not the policy of the Gloversville Police Department to complete random background checks on individuals without accompanying an application. Well, I didn't realize that your chief of police needs a copy of my liability insurance to do a background check when his sole job is to do a background check. And it's just him doing this to me because a judge through a trial dismissed my charges, pretty much saying in his response that I should have never been arrested in the first place, that any instance where I came into Hollister was, you know, accidental, I was not outgoing and looking for him, and even if I was offering free ice cream, it's free speech covered by the United States Constitution. Gotcha. So it sounds like this this sheriff is what you're saying is is trying to be a little bit of a stickler with some of the formalities that may maybe he wasn't before, and all of a sudden, be, because you're the one who, who's applying, he's going to apply to the letter of the law, or at least to the extreme, maybe. And that's that's the way I'm taking it. I'm permitted in another city, and the chief has to do a background check. He doesn't need anything else. The city clerk's office takes care of the, you know, the application part and the insurance part, and he does his background check, and it literally takes him a couple days. And they call me back and told me, you're past your background check. You just need to bring in the rest of your stuff, and I do it. You know, and liability insurance for, for you know, six months is $450, and 150 of it non-refundable. So is he try you know, am I, is it worth it to me to go out and purchase all of this and then him deny me a background check or deny me a permit for the city? And then what do I do? I have to file another Article 78 hearing and take them to Supreme Court? I mean, these things add up. It's a lot of money. I mean, I have a lot of you know, lawyer bills that I'm still paying off. So, you know, it's, when is enough enough? When is he going to realize that he has one job and he needs to stop taking advantage of his badge? I just, it, it's getting just, it's going too far. Yeah, and I know, Josh, you said that today was, or the day we're recording this, you, know, you just got a letter and so, so stuff can change between now and then. But I, I did want to ask you one question about, you know, what we had read before there was details in there about some sort of agreement and it wasn't really clear whether it was a written agreement or more of a, a handshake about a non-compete and it possibly became ineffective or it possibly became invalidated once you took over the business. Was there some sort of agreement in place or that you're aware of in terms of Mr. Dingling not being able to compete or be in the same geographic area as you? My family and uh, longtime friends and family members of the original owner of the Snow Cone Joe bought the business out, I want to say back in 1998. And yeah, that was part of the agreement that Mr. Dingling and the original Snow Cone Joe owner had. And it was carried over with the new owners of the business that he would not put a Mr. Dingling truck in the city or Fulton County, not just the city of Gloversville, but in Fulton County, New York, 
that was part of the agreement and it was to be carried over. Ian Turns and Mr. Dingling, Brian Colas, wanted them to purchase ice cream through him, which they elected not to do because he was trying to charge them double of what they could get it for from other providers. So about 10 years, 11 years after they had purchased the company from the original owner, he started sending his Mr. Dingling trucks to Fulton County. But yes, that was an agreement that he would not send an ice cream truck to this area. Do you know if that was in writing? Was that an agreement in writing? And how did that get formalized? I don't know if that was in writing. I don't know if that was just verbal. I can't really comment to that. And so what's going on now? I mean, uh, I, I assume your relationship with, you said Holister. Holister's the uh, current owner of Mr. Dingling? No, he was never the owner. Mr. Dingling oh. is owned by Brian Collis, and he owns about oh, okay. 60 trucks, and he leases them out. There's a funny story about this. Back when Hollister applied for his publishment and did his background check, in my trial on March 12th of this year, we asked the chief of police if he was aware of Hollister's background, and he admitted he was. Hollister's background included 18 misdemeanor arrests, five felony arrests, and at the time of giving Hollister his permit, he was aware that Hollister had five misdemeanor convictions and one violent felony conviction and he still gave him a permit as a successful background check to vend ice cream in the city of Gloversville. But I think it's important for people to also understand that Hollister never went to the Gloversville Police Department to make a complaint about us, as in my ex-girlfriend was in her vehicle and just unexpectedly ended up behind them. Neither one was vending ice cream, and there was a Gloversville Police officer on the side of the road and he rolled down his window and said to Hollister, I see Snowcone Joe is behind you. If you feel you have a problem, go down and speak to the chief of police. Nine days had went by. Hollister never called or went down to the police department. The said officer called Hollister back and said, you never came down. The chief is here. Would you like to come down and talk to him? At that time, he went down. And this was all testified to in the Supreme Court hearing back in 2013. So there's a lot of, you know, the media, I've learned just from these experiences of making this national news that the media only reports what it wants to report. It doesn't actually report the whole story. They're going to report what they think is going to attract attention. That's the problem, you know, it's just... Oh, yeah, I mean, these uh, media writers had a heyday with the puns with, you know, one party freezing out the competition and, and things like that. And, and that's what the story is because the obviously Snow Cone Joe and Mr. Dingling are, are humorous names. And just to put that across the aisle in a, in a courtroom sounds kind of interesting. But why don't you talk about that? Why, your experience in, in the media from a, just a, you know, from a small business owner's perspective, any advice that you can give to business owners that are suddenly thrust in the limelight, either in a negative way or sometimes even in a positive way? Well, I think the first thing is for people that do have their name go on the media to block it out. When I was first arrested, I didn't read anything. I didn't feed into it. I stayed quiet. And I thought the most important thing was to not try my case in the media, to also understand that I'm going to have my day in court. I was, you know, called by almost every show in America to give a statement, and I just felt it wasn't worth it. I didn't want 
to be trying my case in the media. Do you regret that? I mean, if you were able to get your word out, the story might have been a little different out, out, out there, no? I, I don't regret it. I, I don't regret it at all. I think to this day it was still uh, a great decision. But the problem is, is people. You have people that are going to believe what they hear in the media, and they're always making it as you're guilty. Just they think that the cops, no matter what, you're going to be guilty if you were arrested. And I think the most important thing that I can let these people know is, is just because you're charged with a crime doesn't mean you're guilty of that crime. And I fought for two years. I've had to go through two lawyers because my first trial became a mistrial. We had three different judges. And in the end, I stuck with it. They were trying to offer me a plea to disorderly conduct, which is a violation. It's not a crime. And I told them no. I did nothing wrong, and I stood up for myself, and it was worth it in the end. We won. But, you know, the media the media just reports what they want. And once I got the decision that the judge had granted us our trial order of dismissal and dismissed charges, I decided to call the news outlets local and did some interviews locally with newspapers and things like that. And I knew that the AP would pick it up, which they did. And I, at that time is when I just started, you know, I wanted to see what, what these outlets were reporting on me. You know, what kind of bothered me a little bit was is they still used my mugshot and their pictures when there's so many other pictures of me. That kind of bothered me. And people not actually knowing the whole story. So they still kind of portrayed it out. You know, as it kind of some of these stories kind of read, you know, that made me feel like, you know, they were still reporting that I did something wrong, even though I really didn't. So, you know, it, it, it's been a tough two years, you know, going places and just hearing people talk, oh, look at him, there's the stalker. And, you know, it's, it, it's put a lot of stress. And not only on myself, but my child, who's 13, who was 11 at the time, and was being picked on with her friends, from her friends, I'd have to go pick her up from school. So this is, you know, it, it ended my relationship with my ex, and just, you know, the whole stress level from this, you know, I mean, it was it was on Jay Leno, Howard Stern, you know, David Letterman's top ten, a question on who wants to be a millionaire. We were in talks with Pilgrim Studios in Hollywood about a reality TV show and things like that, you know, but it was just, it put a lot of stress on me, and I'm just happy that, you know, we... We got the right outcome, you know. And of course, you know, we obviously did an episode on this a few weeks ago, and that's proving right there that it was pretty heavily portrayed in the media. And, you know, even when we were trying, I was looking yesterday to try to find more recent updates. I mean, it was pretty much all slanted against you, as you were saying. And, you know, it's it's unfortunate, and we're glad we were able to have you on and, and kind of tell your side of it because, you know, 95% of what's out there is, you know, not putting you in the best light, I guess you could say. But you know that that that's true. You know it's very true. And you know as I've come to learn, the media outlet only puts it out there where they know they're going to get you know views for people to read the story. You know the actual story was not even close to what it was. I mean, you know the stalking charge. Everybody thinks we are following these people around. That never once happened, ever. You know, like I said, my harassment was I was a. I was going east and he was going west. 
I never turned around to follow him. We just continued on on the route, the designed route that's been followed for at that point for 44 years. And I was arrested for harassment for doing that. And then my stalking charge was a one-time thing because I allegedly offered free ice cream. You know, and it's it's crazy. It's crazy to actual think that I was arrested for that. And it just, it made no sense. Well, let me go on a little rant here because I think this scenario that you're going through is so is so similar to, I mean, the the worst thing is that there were criminal charges, okay? And that that unfortunately doesn't happen as often, but does happen. But it just goes to show you how easy it is just to make the allegation. And it's even easier to make it in the civil court rather than a criminal court. Because in criminal court, you need the police to cooperate. And, and this is the uh, unfortunate part for, for you is that you had a sheriff that seems to be too quick to arrest on some baseless charges. And keep in mind from a business owner's perspective, it's very easy to file a lawsuit and make any allegations. And once the allegations are there, it's publicized and you've pretty much already lost. And if you've entered into litigation, there's legal cost and and your reputation, et cetera. And so it's it's kind of hard to get out of that. But when we found out last week or so that the judge dismissed it, it wasn't surprising because, you know, when you see the charges, it's like, okay, even if true, what's the crime here? And we were we were kind of having a lighthearted uh, take on it because it, it, I just imagine, you know, you following him and, and some child's about to buy some ice cream to Mr. Dingaling, you give out free ice cream right next door. That that's that's humorous, but what's what's wrong with that even if you did that? What's the big deal? I think it's great. Right. And I think it comes down to that. But here's what here's the way we look at things and with this Snow Joe business is not only that the children are coming up to the truck, but you have adults that grew up in this area that grew up on this truck. So they come and buy it. You know, they grew up on the homemade Italian ice, the fresh snow cones, the homemade cotton candy daily. So you still have them coming. I mean, uh, another ice cream truck can go down the street 10 minutes before us, and we can still go down that street and still get the regular customers and do a good business. We don't need to go out of our way to what the media calls fleas out or competition. We don't need to offer free ice cream from an ice cream truck to you know, detour somebody else's business. It's nothing like that. It's just it got to the point where it got a little bit too personal with the chief of police and, you know, my ex-girlfriend who owned the business at the time and myself asking questions, and he does not like to be questioned. He is more like a dictator who it's his way or no way. And it just it went a little bit too far with the police department. And I understand that not all police are corrupt and not all police officers are bad, you know, like as the media is portraying all these officers being bad in the media, you know what I mean, what's going on now. It's not that way. But, you know, you do tend to have instances where they may take advantage of their badge or may take things too far. And I feel in my case that happened. And that didn't, and you know, and it really affected me personally because of it. I mean, when you think of somebody as stalker, that's a pretty bad thing to be classified as. You know, it's not a good thing for somebody to think of you as. And I've had to live that for the past two years of people thinking of that way. You know, wherever I go, I have people looking at me and then starting to talk about me. It really takes an effect on you. And, and it, it, you know, mentally, it, it's really drained me over the past two years. And it's just, it's not right. And especially when I was not following anybody, that's the part that is crazy. So, you know, it's just, 
I'm happy that we had a, a very intelligent judge who sat through the trial, took notes, and he case lawed everything. And in his decision, he referenced a bunch of different case law and um, outright dismissed the charges. So, you know, I'm yeah. thankful for, for that. All right. Well, Joshua, we're going to let you go here. Is there anything that you want to, you know, seek help with or plug from the fellow business owners that listen to this podcast? You know, the only other thing I would say is that I am, I am speaking with my original attorney who became a witness about where we're going to go forward. I don't think you've really heard the end of everything. There are things that, other things that are going to happen, and I'm pretty sure that it's going to hit national news or the news again. Okay. So. Well, we'll pay attention to it. Yeah, definitely. I have a feeling this, uh, this sheriff in that town is going to be put in the spotlight, in my opinion, because this seems like, you know, when there's one allegation like this, there may be others as well. All right, good. Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us, and uh, thank you, the listeners, for joining us as well. Yep. Keep it sound, keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. You should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.